Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. We have something a little special for you this fortnight. My name is Dan Martin, podcaster, special effects artist and the effects designer behind three features at this year's Arrow Video Fright Fest. And I am joined as ever by my beautiful and uh, generous co-host. Wow. Sam Ashurst, a bit taken Hold aback, a bit taken aback, and uh, I am a, a person who has a film at this year's Arrow Video Fright Fest uh, that I've directed. It's called Frankenstein's Creature. You might have heard about it before if you're a regular listener <laughs> to this podcast. You've dropped some um, some subtle some hints. subtle Careful hints. listeners. But uh, for this very special edition of the podcast, I'm not just going to be talking about that. I'm going to be talking what? about. 13 films that are at this year's Arrow Video Fright Fest. 13 brand new films that you can order yeah. tickets for. And Dan is going to do something slightly different. What I'm are you going to do, Dan? I'm going to talk about 13 films from the Fright Fest of yesteryear. Yes. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have been attending since the beginning, and I've put together a list of the 13 films that I uh, enjoyed the most, or although I've taken a few... Uh, I've, I've made a few rules for myself. Mm. I've ignored anything that was a retrospective screening, and I've ignored anything that went on to be super, super, super famous. Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Because I didn't want to just be recognising, uh, like recommending Battle Royale, even yeah. even though it's on Arrow, yes, available yes. now on Blu-ray. Yes, I didn't want to just be recognize, recommending the big names. Does that also mean that you didn't include Donnie Darko? It which... does mean I didn't include Donnie Darko, also available on Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so basically, this is going to be a, a massive celebration. Of, of the past and the future of the Arrow Video Fright Fest. So why don't we get started with a recommendation from Dan? Oh, okay, heeny meeny. Right, so my first one is from 2000, year one. Nice. I'm going to be going in chronological order. Uh, my first one is a feature film by Matthew Bright, starring Natasha Lyonne, who you'll probably recognise from Orange is the New Black. It's uh, Matthew's Hansel and Gretel movie, Confessions of a Trick Baby. Oh, uh, yeah. Screened under the title Freeway 2. It's an absolutely lovely slice of madness. It uh, includes my favourite shiv scene of any movie <laughs> at a gas station. It's, uh, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen a toothbrush shiv on the big right. screen as oh, well, wow, which is, wow. you know, that's, that's formative, isn't it? Yeah, it's really fun. And uh, as there at the first Fright Fest, you know, obviously this was new ground. Uh, I'd been to a lot of the older festivals, like Eurofest, back at the French Institute and that kind of stuff. But Fright Fest was the first time it felt properly organised rather than as shambolic right. as the old <laughs> Eurofest. Yeah, that was a fucking mess. So, uh, yeah, Fright Fest was, uh, was just an amazing lineup. But that was definitely my film of the first year, um, 2000. Yeah, absolutely blew me away, and it, and it did what all good films should do, which was it, it pushed me to look into the the other films with the director, the other people involved. So yeah, if you've not seen it, uh, check out Freeway Two: Confessions of a Trick Baby. Fantastic! Yeah, that's uh, a good opener, and I'm actually going to talk about the opener of this year's Arrow Video Fright Fest, a film called The Ranger. So that that's going to be on uh, the main screens uh, at six o'clock and at six thirty on the twenty third of August. And it's a really, really sort of exciting, cool-looking... Now, I haven't seen it, by the way, so <laughs> I'm excited about it rather than it gave me a feeling of excitement. But I've heard a lot about it on the festival circuit. Um, people I know who have seen it have recommended it um, to me. It's a 80s-set kind of play on this kind of classic slasher setup but also with a little bit of uh, Return of the Living Dead in there as well, I think, nice. because uh, it's basically uh, set in the 80s 
and it's about uh, a group of punks who are being hunted by a uh, an authoritarian slasher, let's say. So directed by Jen Wexler, and it's got an appearance from Larry Fessenden, who's uh, appeared at Fright Fests uh, gone by. Yeah. So, um, yeah, The Ranger, I'm really, really excited about this one. I think it's going to make a, a fantastic opener and really kind of set the tone for this year's festival. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it when uh, I'm a big fan of punk movies. Me too. But I find that they drift into going, oh, well, we're about punk so we can be cheaply made because punk is innately grimy and yeah, counterculture. Yeah, yeah. But I quite like polished movies about punks. Oh, me too. Not the appropriation of punk culture per se, mm. but just when someone who knows what they're doing, like O'Bannon, yeah. oh, gets yeah. their hand on that on those characters yeah absolutely so yeah i'm looking forward to that one great what's your next one dan my next one is from uh 2001 second year of fright Fest. love it uh back when it was still at the prince charles uh it's directed by a mr christophe gaz Ooh. it's a uh, slightly uh probably slightly bigger than uh, confessions of a true baby as far as where it reached uh but i think that's just because people like to say they've seen subtitle films because it makes them seem clever uh it's <laughs> it's brotherhood of the wolf oh yeah uh, yeah which cool. is one of my favorite werewolf not werewolf movies yeah those of you who know Gans's work i i will like me probably have first come across him through crying freeman which is where I first decided that Mark Dacascos was the next big thing. Never could I have predicted him becoming the Iron Chef in the States. Um, but he returns in Brotherhood of the Wolf as a, uh, as a Native American uh, companion to the lead uh, who's hired in the run-up to the French Revolution to hunt down a giant wolf that has been killing villagers. Uh, it's an absolute delight. I'd actually seen it already by the time it played at Fryfest. I saw it at Cannes that year. Mm. Uh, but I saw it at a, they did a, an additional screening because it had been so popular, mm-hmm. but then the additional screening was not super full. Right. So then to go and see it at Fright Fest with a massive screen full of, like, completely full. Mm-hmm. So it's such a great movie. Yeah. And then the third time I watched it was the French special edition, the version longue, which is an extended version, which is well worth tracking down as well. Um, it plays more into the Vincent Cassell character. He's fantastic yeah. in it as well. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. And uh, that actually sort of brings up a separate point uh, about the Arrow Video Fright Fest and that, forget what the films are, uh, one of the things that makes it so special is the fact that it's a really vocal group oh, of yeah, fans. Oh, yeah, it's a great place. They they offer solemnity where it's required. Yeah. But they'll give you the big rousing cheers and excitement when a head and blows up. On, honestly, yeah, exactly. Like, it can give you goosebumps as much as anything that's on the screen, basically. Um, it's such a great crowd. And it kind of... There was a Sergio Martino interview where um, he talked about the old days of watching Giallo and how it was basically like being at a football match. People reacted to it so much. And this is basically as close as you can get to that experience being at uh, Arrow Video Fright Fest. So. Absolutely. I think I think what's really nice is that, and, and you know, maybe this is me, but I do feel I'm in tune with the with the crowd there, but they they have the right level of respect for every film. Yeah, So like correct. the big crowd pleases, yeah. you get rousing cheers and everyone's whooping and excited. And partly this comes down to the fact that uh, the guys who run it, um, Adam, Paul, Ian and Greg they know how to program a day mm. so you get you know your, your your running order works really well in fact uh, a little while ago Paul came around and did a mini program of advanced screenings for Sam and myself and Mike from Arrow who edits these long suffering Mike uh, was with us as well and it was a really nice structure like he, re- he, he it just showed a deft hand in how he structured the Do you day. know what? That really leads nicely into my next recommendation, which is uh, the film that's playing after The Ranger. That's uh, on the main screens uh, at 8.45 and at 9.15. So basically, the, the, the Arrow video screen starts half an hour before 
uh, the other screen. That's on the 23rd of August, and that is Summer of 84, which is uh, another uh, 80s set slasher. Well, about a serial killer, but, you know, it's, it's all the same, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically, uh, it's from the guys who did Turbo Kid, which was a, a nice. popular a popular Fright Fest movie. And it's described as having a, a Stranger Things vibe because it's centred around uh, a bunch of kids who uh, believe that they know the identity of a local serial killer um, and, you know, chaos ensues. I presume this is another one I haven't seen. Don't worry, though, there are going to be uh, some recommendations in here that I have seen. But uh, this is another one where I saw the trailer uh, a while ago and thought, oh, man, I hope that's at Fright Fest. And it is at the Arrow nice. Video Fright Fest. It's so, a, Dan. It's a great poster as well. The missing yes. kid on the milk. Yeah, yeah. Such an evocative image. Yeah. And yeah. nice typography as well. It's a cool poster. A lot of cool it looks posters. Like the Beast Within it. font. Yeah, it does. Also available there. <laughs> <laughs> What's next, Dan? Uh, I'm going to stick with 2001. Uh, I'm going to go to Kim Kaduk's Isle, which played in 2001. This was uh, this upset quite a lot of the audience. Uh, we've talked about this before. Like you know, I'm vegetarian. I don't think any film is good enough to warrant an animal dying. There's no. a, a fish being filleted alive oh, right, yeah, in yeah. Uh, the Isle, and that actually got it into some trouble with the British release as well. So I don't know if that's in the mm-hmm. the, re- the British release. Um, there was some kickback about it being screened with that footage in it. But it's a really beautiful dreamlike movie. Those of you who are familiar with Kaduk's work will know that he uh, he does like sort of dream space really well. Uh, Three Iron by him is one of my favourite films. It's, def- it's sort of up there in my top 20. But The Isle is about a, a chap on the run who finds him, his way to a, a hotel complex or like a motel complex, I guess, but where each of the rooms is a, is a separate floating island on a massive lake. And he rents one of those to sort of be away from the mainland, but also gets involved with a um, with the with the female hotelier who runs the place, and their relationship develops as the hunt for him continues, uh, and it contains two particularly interesting hiding from the police moments, uh, which I won't spoil for you. But uh, it's an it, it's it's a dreamlike movie with some really mm. nightmarish elements. Yeah, that's a that's a really good gem. Yeah, lovely stuff. All right, next recommendation from me is one I have actually seen. It's one that Dan's seen as well. Uh, it is Mega Time Squad, which is on the main screens at 11 o'clock and 11.30, again on the opening night. Um, perfect spot for it, really. Um, this one is going to be a huge crowd pleaser. It is very, very funny. It's, it's basically... Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because it really does twist and turn, but it's basically about a criminal who basically discovers a time travel device and uses it uh, in a very unusual way. It's kind of, think Bill and Ted meets Primer meets the sense of humour of Taika Waititi. I think that's probably yeah, that's fair. the best way of describing it. Um, and... Honestly, man, it is such a fun film. This is going to have a lot of laughs, a lot of cheers, a lot of applause. Yeah, it's going to really sort of set up the festival, I think. Yeah, it's really good fun. It's yeah. the last film that Paul programmed for our mini-watch. Yes. And it was a, just a great film to end on. It's really fun, especially yeah. after you've sat through a handful of other films, some of which might be a bit, like, you know, gruelling, as horror often can be. I think it does... The opening night does look like, actually, a fun pretty, night. Pretty, pretty straight fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah no it's but it was really really good fun yeah yeah i think we, we all, all four of us really really enjoyed that yeah it was, it was fantastic so what's your what's next for you dan uh so for the next one we're moving forwards a year to 2002 again this is a slightly better known one but it's still worth checking out if you haven't seen it i think it is on our road sam you can probably confirm this uh, or deny it. Uh, it's Happiness of the Katakuris by Takeshi Miike. That is on Arrow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to do, do it that in the future. One day, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lovely film. So uh, in two thousand, uh, well, in two thousand and two, um, Miike remade Kim Ji Woon's Quiet Family, which was Kim Ji Woon's debut. Oh yeah. Uh, as a musical, Happiness of the Katakuris. If you haven't seen it, it's about a, a family with a rural uh, sort of bed and breakfast hotel. So you know, nice double bill with the aisle. <laughs> And it, uh, they're just starting to get uh, respected, renowned. Like people are starting to say, "Oh, it's nice." The, the business is picking up a little bit, and then someone turns up and uses their hotel as a venue to commit suicide. Mm. Uh, in Japanese culture, and also in the Korean remake, to some extent, this is like you know socially frowned upon. There's the, there's going to be a stigma, you know, just because of the death, but also because of suicide itself. So they uh, they decide to hide the body. And then the body comes back to life. Mm. Uh, now, in uh, in Kim Ji Woon's version, it's not an animation. It doesn't have animated sequences, and it's not a musical, <laughs> unlike uh, Miike's version, which is, I'd say, one of the most uh, broad in terms of weirdness films that Miike has made. Like, mm. I, I like that Miike can do tight, serious little films, and then huge craziness. But I think this is probably the widest spread of wacky as far as Miko goes. Uh, and while it's not my favourite Miko of all time, uh, it's also not even my only Miko on this list, <laughs> it is a, it's a great Miko film. And if you yeah. haven't seen it, it's oh. worth checking out. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, really great disc as well. Okay, so I'm now going to move out of the main screens uh, to go into the Cineworld Discovery screen, which... Dear listener, is where Frankenstein's creature is also playing. Clearly the best screen. <laughs> Clearly the best screen. Um, but uh, it's another film I haven't seen, but uh, it's another film that before it was announced for Arrow Video Fright Fest, I was desperate to see it, so I'm really excited that it's there. It's a film called Dead Night, and it stars the legendary, magnificent, wonderful Barbara Crampton, um, who I am a huge fan of. And uh, she's got a couple of films at the festival this year, but this is the one I'm really excited about. Um, it's also got AJ Bowen, um, Bria Grant, so, you know, cool genre names. Uh, yeah, that's good. And uh, it is essentially uh, a Cabin in the Woods movie, but with a twist. It's a group of people go on holiday uh, to a, a cabin in the middle of nowhere, and they encounter an enigmatic woman um, who causes trouble for them. Um, and that's all I can say, because that's all I know. But um, <laughs> with that cast list and, yeah, with that set up, I'm really excited to see Dead Night. Dan, what is next for you? Uh, so I'm going to jump to 2003 for my next one, a film by Robert Schwenke. It's a film called Tattoo. It's a German crime thriller uh, about the black market in human skin hmm. that bears uh, artwork by famous and historical tattoo artists. And it touches into people being killed for, for their skin. Obviously, hmm. Germany has a difficult and uh, contentious political past with the trading of skin. Uh, that links into fascism, which Germany you know, has to deal with in a very particular way in its media. It's a really tight and interesting thriller. It's got a great ending. And it's one of the films from Fright Fest. I saw it for the first time at Fright Fest in 2003. And, um, and as soon as it became available, and I, 
I don't remember who put it out in the UK originally. I think it was a, like maybe a Tartan DVD, something like that, or mm-hmm, Electronic mm-hmm. Eye. But anyway, as soon as the DVD became available in the UK, I picked it up, and it was one of those ones I kept on showing to people. Like I'd be like, "Oh, you've not seen this. You should definitely check this out." And everyone was always blown away by it. It's a fantastic movie. There's a uh, there's an amazing scene at the top of a multi-story car park, which is beautifully photographed. All those big like rotational ramps and lots of high-angle shots down like stark concrete tubes. It's absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just great. It's a really good film. Fantastic. Um, I actually haven't seen that one, so uh, a recommendation for me. Hooray! Uh, next up from uh, the upcoming Arrow Video Fright Fest is uh, a film called Upgrade, which if you're a genre fan, uh, you'll probably already be completely aware of. You'll have seen the trailer. Uh, it's the new movie from uh, Saw and Insidious creator Lee Wanell, and uh, it looks like a basically the kind of movie that if you're into like 80s stuff like you know robocop and and the terminator and apparently there's a bit of death wish in there as well um if you're a fan of those kind of movies this will be your new favorite film it's showing on the 25th of august at 8:45 and at 9:15 and the premise is basically about a technophobe who has an accident and um is given a, a computer chip that allows him uh to move again um, but the computer chip has some other uh, powers that it uh, uses to aid him in his day-to-day life. It looks really fun, and I'm pretty sure this will get a lot of reaction from the crowd. Um, so, yeah, that'll be a really fun night at the cinema. That sounds amazing. That's like a, a sort of a digital body parts. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We've accidentally implanted the ser- the the computer chip out of a serial killer. And it, yeah, exactly. And it, it also sounds a bit like what Venom looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially as it stars Logan Marshall Green, who is, he's the guy from uh, The Invitation, yeah. who is confused with uh, Tom Hardy quite frequently. I can see that, yeah. So the fact that, yeah, anyway, weird. But um, <laughs> what's your next one, Dan? My next one is another Mike, also from 2003. This is another one I had previously seen at Cannes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Cannes, I don't know if you're familiar with the... Those of you who of our listeners who have attended the festival, there are a bunch of different cinemas in Cannes. And there's one, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's in the basement of a, of a hotel. A bunch of the hotels have built their own cinemas because obviously they cater to the Cannes Film Festival and the Advertising Awards and all that kind of stuff. And there's one with this amazing cinema in its basement it's sort of got a shopping centre on the ground floor, uh, cinema first floor up, and then uh, a, a massively, uh, like a really deep cinema in the basement with the, the, the steepest rake to its, it. Like it makes the London BFI uh, stairs look like a, a gentle saunter up a slow slope. It's incredibly steep. Uh, and I went to a screening of this film there. Uh, and again, like it's, it must be like a 400-seater cinema and maybe there were like... 80 people there, 100 people there. It's Gozu by Takeshi Miike. Yes, yes, uh, it's yes. A la- it's a, you know, obviously it's a few years after Katakuri's, a couple of years after Katakuri's. It's, um, fuck, it's the year after Katakuri's. But, like, for some reason it feels like the bridge between old classic Miike, like early days Miike, and modern Miike. And I think it gets a lot of shit for that because it is, like, it's kind of deliberately weird. But it's got some genuinely incredible moments in it. Uh, there's uh, a bit where they're in a cafe and uh, Yakuza is just getting like annoyed with a yappy dog. And the way he solves that problem is one of my favourite moments in film. Yeah. There's a bit at the end with a ladle 
which you genuinely cannot believe. It's incredible. Mm. Uh, and then also, again, it's, it's a really little thing, but there's a beautiful moment, and I'm just going to explain this. It's not really a spoiler. Uh, there's a beautiful moment where the main character, who has been uh, tasked with escorting uh, a, a troublesome Yakuza out of, t- out of town so that he can be executed because he's just causing problems for the gang, uh, and has sort of befriended him and is finding it difficult to, to kill him. He nips to a convenience store to pick some stuff up, and he's talking to an... Uh, like a, a Caucasian woman who is talking in phonetic Japanese and it's doing the traditional two shots like you know over shoulder over shoulder edit and then on her over shoulder it pulls back and it reveals that every line she's spoken in the in the dialogue that they've done has been written down for her but like on this massive array of pieces of paper around the the, the blind side of the shop awning so like the guy she's talking to can't see it but it's the idea that he isn't aware of the fact that this is all predetermined because there's no other way it could be written down if he wasn't also unknowingly speaking a script how could they have written her half of the script yeah, yeah, yeah. and it plays into fatality and the idea that maybe we're not as in charge of the decisions we make in life it's a, it's a really lovely like it's a surrealist introspection mm. and then it's also like a super violent Yakuza movie and it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's I, fun. I really wish I could have seen that at Fright Fest. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Fright Fest audience went fucking mental for it. I bet they it. It did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, another one at the main screen. Um, and, you know, this is a sort of um, a, a good advert for buying a pass, a weekend pass, um, because generally what goes into the main screen, you know, it's really exciting stuff. Obviously, there's, you know, very interesting stuff that you can discover on the other screens, including my film. But um, <laughs> the main screen is... Mention it, number two, folks. <laughs> just you wait. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, the, this film actually is quite interesting in that it also played at Cannes this year. A lot of your recommendations played at Cannes and then played at um, Fright Fest. But uh, people I really trust, um, genre legends, came out of this film with their eyes wide, giddy with delight. Um, the film is terrified. One of the uh, co-directors of the Arrow Video Fright Fest, Paul McAvoy, has named it as the scariest film uh, at this year's Fright Fest. That's exciting. So, yes, terrified. Cineworld main screen on the 25th of August at 6.15 and 6.45. Um, it's got an amazing poster. Um, do Google that. And actually, I'm not going to say anything about the plot. I think, you know, the fact that it's been named as the scariest film at this year's Arrow Video Fright Fest and the fact that it got such a cool reaction at Cannes should be recommendation enough. Go and see Terrified. I will see you there. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. wait. I yeah, can't yeah. wait. Looks Dan, exciting. next. Uh, so we're jumping all the way up to 2010 for my next recommendation. Uh, it's another Korean picture, and it's one that Sam and I have watched together since mm. it played at Fright Fest. It's directed by Choi Kwang-yung. And it's called Bedeviled. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a really lovely example of my You're Not Welcome Here or Bad Island or Bad Community subgenre of thriller horror. It's pretty fucking bleak. <laughs> uh, Just a, a tiny yeah, bit bleak. Uh, like something like Gozu or, or Happiness uh, as other Asian fare. And I know those are both Japanese, not Korean, but they're like, they've got a bit more wackiness to them. And I know that Japan can do like super fucking dark, like Audition, which played the first year. But, um, but Bedeviled is, is a, about it. Well, actually, like The Isle, Bedeviled's pretty fucking grim. But it's really good. It's really, really good. And it's got, um, so what I'm, the way I'm about to describe it might 
turn some of you off it, uh, and I'm caveating this in that the uh, the first half isn't as unpl- isn't as aggressive, although it plays with a lot of the same themes. But it has a a similar structure to I Spit on Your Grave, where the first half is about justifying the second half. Yeah, but it does a lot more with it than Zarchi ever did with I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, and, and one I think I Spit on Your Grave has some interesting places in film history and is worth noting. Uh, I think Bedeviled is a genuinely good film. Yeah, uh, and is definitely worth checking out. I don't know who has released it anywhere. <laughs> uh, I do have it on DVD, but I haven't checked. Well, sorry. <laughs> well, um, yes, uh, I, I've got it on Blu-ray. Um, it is out there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely available. Yeah, definitely yeah, available. Yeah. Okay, right. Next one for me. Another main screen. This time on the twenty-sixth of August at eight thirty or at nine p.m. Anna and the Apocalypse. Now this has had a festival run. Um, it's gotten raves and a lot of very, very positive audience reaction. I'm pretty sure it's won some audience awards. But it's essentially uh, Shaun of the Dead meets High School Musical. Um, <laughs> it's a zombie musical, basically, about a group of young people who uh, encounter the undead and uh, sort of sing their way around the situation. Uh, another crowd pleaser, another sort of you know, kind of low-budget blockbuster, I'd say. Um, That's so fair. Yeah, I think people are really going to enjoy that one. And it is British, so that's exciting too. Yeah, it's always been nice that Friday Fest have sort of tried to champion the, the British app, but as well, obviously, they are the British contingent of the Fantastic Film Federation, the FFF, mm. uh, which they're part of, and that they try to, especially in their new directors or their, like, First Blood quote unquote screenings, uh, they try to uh, they try to present a um, uh, like a, a, a forum in which new British directors or they, relatively they early really, really British support, directors they've been very supportive support uh, new talent years. and they kind of welcome back directors who have played yeah, there before absolutely you know it's it's all part of the sort of big community that they've yeah. created over the years it really is oh, that leads very nicely into my next one which is another two thousand and ten uh, project mm. and is actually the first feature film. Uh, that I designed the effects for. Oh. But that aside... That's included. I genuinely, uh, I genuinely really highly rate this film. I mm. think it's amazing. Uh, in England, it's just called F. Oh, uh, yeah. In America, it was released under the title The Expelled. It's one of those films that doesn't really... like doesn't isn't known as well as I think it, it should be. It's. I think the, the thing is that it doesn't necessarily have the most commercial of endings. I... I fucking love it. So the director, Johannes Roberts, has gone from strength to strength. He'd done a handful of sort of schlocky uh, and, you know, he'd admit himself like cheap horrors before this. And I got invited to do the effects for a short that he was directing. He, at the time, he taught at Cambridge, uh, like a like a polytechnic in Cambridge or like not Cambridge University, but a university in Cambridge uh, on their film course. And um, And he was doing a short film and he wanted to shoot it in the location up there. And so a friend of a friend who I met when, back when I was at university and who did like music videos and stuff was the cinematographer on that short. And he put me up for the effects. So I, I went along and I did some stuff for that. And then, like, you know, as you're told might happen, but doesn't tend to happen, but in this case did happen, that short got turned into a feature and I got the call to do the effects for the feature. Uh, and so I got to go back and, and it was the first feature I'd, I'd ever designed. I was working in the industry, but, you know, a small cog in big machines off on, on Hollywood movies. Uh, and so this was the first time I'd done my own stuff. And, um, and then 
fuck me it gets picked to play at Fright Fest and it gets like a proper cinematic release in the UK and it was like that was definitely the beginning of my career but I, I genuinely put it down to the quality of the of the film Ernesto Riera who who wrote it with Johannes is a is a great writer and what's interesting is that he's not a he's not necessarily a horror writer he's very much like a dramatic writer and so you you can look at Johannes's output and the stuff he's written and the stuff he's written with Ernesto as two separate categories mm. and I think Ernesto adds a sort of really like a nice level of class to his stuff mm-hmm. uh, F's basically about a, a, a school teacher who is dealing with alcoholism, he's divorced, his daughter from the divorce is a student at the school and doesn't respect him in any way. Uh, And then when the school kind of becomes besieged by these... uh, This was before the the David Cameron hoodie-like stuff, but... We did uh, we did some nice stuff. We we wireframed the hoods and then blacked out the faces, so they were completely faceless. These these little young thugs that were like tormenting these teachers after lockdown. So all the kids who were in detention are sort of wrapped up in this, and it's a it's an it's both a horrible situation and an opportunity for the father to to be a protector for his daughter. This person that he feels he has not been able to be because of both drinking and the divorce and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and by the end, it's got some really lovely hard decisions for him to make. Yeah, um, it, I yeah, I. I re- I remember seeing this one at Fright Fest, and this was um, this was roundabout when I very first met you. When when you're working, this, on this might this. be just before we met, actually. No, no, we'd, we'd no, met. No, no, 2010, we'd met, we'd met before this. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'd I'd put like I put a still of F onto Facebook before it came out, saying Rob Bottin eat your heart out. So we were friends. There by you that go. Point. Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe that's just a natural reaction <laughs> to my work. <laughs> I'm very sorry, Rob. <laughs> but no it's when you see it just um it's the bit involving a jaw that's all i'll say um but yeah it's a great film very tense very really well shot um yeah the effects fantastic so um yeah very good recommendation and, and it has kind of slipped through the cracks unfortunately next film uh from me which will not slip through the cracks i think this is going to be a very uh popular film in the cine world discovery screen uh 345 uh, on the 26th of august is hammer horror the warner brothers years oh, yes. um fantastic documentary um which runs through um all the warner brothers hammer releases as you may be able to guess uh, from the title but it does it in a really interesting and insightful way um with some of the best talking heads uh, interviews i've ever seen both with experts and with people who are involved in the various films yeah. very revealing very honest there's a, a little bit of kind of darkness in there um some sort of really yeah. dark behind the scenes things stuff. were different back then things kind of stuff. were dif- very different back then but also a lot of joy as well and a lot of celebration yeah. um it's a really sort of perfectly pitched mix between you know kind of quite brave honesty and you know and and happy memories as well and some fantastic clips in there excellent use of um archival photography yeah. um oh, yeah. really great if you're a hammer horror fan it, even if you're you're not massively um it, it's still a really it's, really interesting yeah. talk it's it, it, there's a there are a lot of retrospective documentaries about you know specific films or specific eras of film yeah uh, and i think the market's somewhat flooded with them people could become slightly overwhelmed with them uh this is genuinely a great documentary it's really really um, good we uh it, it did have a sort of blink and you'll miss it special edition that came out a little while ago but it really is like because of the people who are involved because of the archival footage and because of the photographs it's really actually worth watching on a big screen people are gonna um, love this yeah it's one. really yeah. satisfying there's some lovely anecdotes there's some lovely introspection 
and yeah, it's just a it's just a really enjoyable just makes you feel film. good. Yeah, it's really nice. Even like from straight away, yeah. like you know, obviously the the dark stuff doesn't make you feel good, but like you just feel like you're in very safe hands. But I think the the thing is that the tone about even the dark stuff is always like it's never fuck you, Hammer. It's yeah. all, it's always Hammer was better than this. Yes, and correct. It, and Absolutely. it was going to be better than this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These this was a bad moment. Yeah, and I and and no one in there is resentful of Hammer. No one in there yeah. like. Is sad they were involved in the, no in, no definitely in the, yeah 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 that world oh and just some beautiful stuff in there yeah, anyway it's a great movie next Dan uh, so my next one's from 2011 uh, and the only reason I'm not recommending Devil's Business that played that year is because I don't feel like I can do two films I design the effects for back to back if I was recommending old films I would recommend The Devil's Business beautiful I would, I would recommend The Borderlands Pinterest <laughs> I, I would recommend Chamber uh, well, well, some of these might get mentioned yet so oh we'll okay alright well let's see anyway but, but, go on. Uh, but, 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 but my 2011 choice is A Lonely Place to Die oh nice yeah, uh, yeah. which was everyone thought was going to be like the biggest British hit at the time mm. and then it didn't quite like it didn't quite grab whether it was a timing thing or whatever but it's a really really good movie mm. directed by Julian Gilby it's uh, who'd done a couple of films before that and has done a couple of films since I still think this is his best uh, best feature it's about a, a group hiking in the British countryside who find someone who's been buried alive mm. I'm not going to say any more than that mm. but if you haven't seen it uh, it's really really worth checking it's very out cool. very yeah, cool it's lovely Right, so my next one uh, is my first at the Prince Charles Discovery screen, and that's on the 26th of August uh, at 3.45pm. Uh, now, this is Bodied uh, from Joseph Kahn, who has been at Fright Fest before with detention. Uh, he's coming back to the Arrow Video Fright Fest for Bodied, which has been a huge festival hit. Um, it's got a kind of interesting sort of story in that I think it's kind of struggled to find distribution even though it's been massively popular on the festival circuit. I think it won the Audience Award maybe at Fantastic Fest. It's definitely won an Audience Award. But Joseph has kind of talked on Twitter about kind of the difficulty at get, getting distribution for it. Surely that makes so, it more interesting. Well, so well, exactly. <laughs> so often at Fright Fest or, well, you know, occasionally at Fright Fest, there'll be films that play there that don't actually get distribution in this country. Like, I think I think we're alone now that... Um, oh, that was so good. That was a that was a definite shortlist for my yeah, for my list. Like the the Debbie That's Gibson yeah. stalker documentary um, never got released. Did that not here. get released over? No, here? no, it didn't. Oh, what and so travesty. Yeah, and I kind of who was in that screening? It was. Um, John Landis. I saw that sat by John Landis. Wow. And so that that's another sort of thing about Arrow Video Fright Fest. You will encounter um, directors, you'll encounter cast, you'll watch films with them, you'll have a chat with them in the foyer. Yeah. Like everyone's in together. It's really great. And I'm sure Joseph Kahn will be in the mix because he is rightly proud of Bodied, um, which is kind of an unusual one for Arrow Video Fright Fest in that it's not a horror uh, fantasy or science fiction film it's actually a rap battle movie right um, produced by Eminem wow yeah this but, is not where I expected this to go exactly um, so but you know uh, I've heard that it spikes the adrenaline as much as any horror movie so um, I very much recommend Bodied and if I'm wrong about it you can tell me on social media and Sam will fight you in a rap battle yeah <laughs> finally finally uh, what's next Dan uh, my next one <laughs> is from 2012 uh, and uh, after we've discussed um, uh, the Hammer Warner documentary uh, this sort of fits into that this directed by Mike Malloy is not in 
any way as polished as that Hammer documentary. The Hammer documentary is a really deft bit of filmmaking, mm, and I'd say it really goes is. up against things like uh, Future Shock, the yeah. 2008 documentary, which That's is a really great. good shout. Yeah, yeah, That's amazing. Um, available on Arrow Video. Available, <laughs> <laughs> available on Arrow Video. But uh, yeah, no. So in 2012, Eurocrime by Mike Malone. Oh played. yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. It's amazing. I think the thing, the thing that really strikes me about Eurocrime, and it didn't get released for ages in the UK, and it is actually now available, but is that it's not a particularly well-made documentary. Now the the editing and the directing is actually pretty good. Like it, it's structured really nicely, and it's a very satisfying flow. But the actual like the interviews aren't particularly well filmed. Mm. It's a whole bunch of different resolutions, which means that the frame size keeps on changing. Mm. Like it, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of finding their way mm. going on. But the subject matter is interesting enough that it it kind of surpasses all of that, mm. and it's a genuinely great documentary. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the Eurocrime stuff, and there are some again great examples on Arrow. Um, uh, but it's a fantastic genre to dip into. The Fernando de Leo stuff. I've been talking on Twitter recently with some people about uh, To Be 20, which is uh, like Fernando de Leo. But his uh, his um, his Eurocrime stuff's incredible. The Sergio mm. Martino Eurocrime stuff's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Lenzi and yeah, all these guys did this stuff. And it was sort of all done in the, in the post wave of Dirty Harry. But they took it and they put that great Italian grimy spin on it. Uh, and the, yeah, Mike Malloy's documentary is a is a really good in depth retrospective of it. And again, they've got great access to great people, whether it's Henry Silver or uh, John Saxon, like all remembering being on these movies because it was one of those genres where American or English actors would go and do a stint over in Italy because you know, oh, we've got a quite a couple of months. Anyone who's an, an even a remote name, like a C list celebrity in in the in in America or England. Uh, could just go and walk in onto the set of a Giallo or a or or a Polichetze movie uh, in Italy because that they wanted to be able to break that English language market. Yeah, there's some genuinely amazing anecdotes from those guys. It's really worth finding. It's a very deft choice for this specific context, Dan, because I feel that Arrow Video podcast listeners uh, will uh, especially love that one. That is a really good choice. Yeah, it's really really good. Now. If you only see one film at this year's Arrow Video Fright Fest, you must see Frankenstein's Creature. But <laughs> if you see two... <laughs> I, I see what's on your list, and I was like, okay, so this is the one Sam's going to say? Is the oh, no, it's this film. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of misdirection there. Um, no, if you only see two films, then you must also see Tigers Are Not Afraid oh, yes. uh, by Isa Lopez. This played um, at the uh, Glasgow Fright Fest, um, which uh, was such a, a popular movie, they've brought it to the Arrow Video Fright Fest. Now, this is such a rarity that that happens normally. Yeah, that never happens. No, it never happens. It might even be the first time it's ever happened. But I'm so, so happy they've done it because, you know, obviously Glasgow Fright Fest is great, um, but some sort of regular uh, fans weren't able to make it there because um, it was chaos because yeah, of the no, yeah, yeah. lots of trains were cancelled and you know it's an absolute nightmare so for those people to have missed out on the experience of seeing this magnificent film um, I'm just so happy that the guys have, have brought it over now um, I won't say too much about it other than um, it's, it's basically it's about Mexican street children um, and it kind of mixes 
like very kind of realistic crime stuff with um, some really kind of beautiful fantasy stuff. So the thing it kind of puts you most in mind of is something like Pan's Labyrinth. And obviously uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, loves his film and is, is supporting Lopez as a director. And it's just astonishing, very powerful, very moving, you know, just beautifully shot. And it has, you know, one of my favourite endings of of any film I've seen for a long time. So um, Tigers Are Not Afraid, Prince Charles Discovery at 9pm on the 26th of August. What day is that? Uh, I think that's a Sunday. Yes, I can make that. (laughs) Flying back to be at Fright so I don't get to do Thursday or Monday. <laughs> so yeah. I'm very glad that's playing on Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a testament to the faith that the guys have in it that they're reprogramming it because they feel like people should have been able to see it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It would, would have only been a matter of timing that meant that it went to Glasgow, not last year's Fright Fest. Of course, yeah. And yeah. so obviously this year they're going to that. I remember Paul came to our, I think, Halloween party that year and tipsy as all heck in our hallway was was extolling the virtues of Tigers and Not Afraid. I didn't get to see it at Glasgow, Sam mm. did. Um, so I'm very glad I get another opportunity to see it with a crowd. Absolute masterpiece. Dan, what's next? Uh, next up for me is uh, from 2012, Barbarian Sound Studio. Oh, yeah, talk about masterpieces. By Peter Strickland. This is an absolute joy of a movie. It had a, a lovely audience reaction. It is a... Uh, it's an equal mix of like a warm hug because Peter loves all the movies you love uh, with a lovely topping of what the fuck is happening. <laughs> uh, Toby Jones plays a, uh, uh, a sound mixer who is um, most known in England for his documentary work, uh, nature doc stuff, farmland, that kind of stuff, nothing particularly genre, but who is for some reason fallen into the radar of an Italian producer who wants him to go and do the Foley and A&E mix of a, uh, of a, a giallo or a horror over in Italy. Uh, and so uh, as a sort of a, imagine a classed up version of Evil Ed, which I think we'll probably talk about on a future podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a, a film professional driven mad by being pushed into a genre he's not a, not previously mm. aware of. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. I think you may have recommended Barbarian Sound Studio and Evil Ed on our Blowout podcast. So um, Well, there you go. Well, they're, ob- they go they're well obviously very, connected to They go very well together. I see, yeah, but yeah. I, I retrospectively see completely how I would connect them to Blowout as well. So, uh, but yeah, so they're... Um, uh, Barbarian is a is a fright fest uh, title of yesteryear. Yes, and Evil Ed is available on Arrow now, so they're both worth mentioning again. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, that wasn't a criticism. That was more like to get people to listen Absolutely. to the blowout. Oh yeah, episode. go back and listen to the. Yeah, uh, all, yeah. In fact, all of the episodes. Exactly. If you've not. Uh, and now for a film. Why is this your first one? <laughs> <laughs> and now for a film that will never ever come to Arrow. Oh, <laughs> maybe they'll see the error of their ways, son. <laughs> maybe someone. We'll start a Twitter campaign. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm actually not going to talk about this next Smam film. Smashers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about this next film um, because it is my film, uh, Frankenstein's Creature. I couldn't not recommend it. Come on. Um, it's at the Cineworld Discovery at 3.45 on the 27th of August, which is the Monday. It is the closing film in the Cineworld Discovery screen, which is very exciting. And... 
I showed it to Dan earlier today. Yeah, so Satin had offered to show it to me before and I had wanted to wait and see it with an audience. But then when we realised I wasn't going to be around on Monday, uh, we, we decided to watch it on the big screen at my place. And so I watched it, what, like four hours ago? We started yes. it? And I was incredibly nervous because obviously I'm very proud of film and all the rest of it. But Dan um, isn't backwards in coming forwards and he would have told me if he Or didn't. forwards in going backwards. Yeah, so uh, I was quite nervous about it as uh, uh, Dan probably could tell. Um, but yeah, what did you think? I, yeah, I, I've told all this to Sam. Sam wouldn't be asking me if I was going to say it wasn't positive. Sam is not, not a risk taker. <laughs> Except when it comes to directing, where he has made arguably one of the most risky choices. <laughs> no, I really, really like it. It's, um, it's obviously going to be divisive, but I think that's a badge of merit to most films yeah i really really like it I've, uh james who i did i introduce you to james or do you meet him you through did, kim yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so james swanton who uh, wrote and is the and plays wrote the film and is the lead in the film is a spectacular actor and uh again if we're talking about twitter campaigns he should get some kind of award and maybe a badge or a hat <laughs> he's incredible i've worked with him on three and a half projects now but I met him through uh, through a, a mutual friend, and he's he's just a, a bag of surprises when it comes to just skill and talent. Um, he played uh, he played Granddad in Double Date, which played last year at Fright Fest. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first time we worked together. He's he's got he's he's got an amazing physique, uh, which leads him to being a creature performer. But he's got a physicality that elevates him above that. I think he's a he's a leading man. Type uh, completely but, agree, but in but in a full old classic Universal style, a hundred percent. Like he yeah, would yeah. have been one hundred percent at home under the sponge and brush of Jack Pierce. He is, yeah, he's a genuinely amazing actor. And so, while I hate to squander his skills under layers and layers of makeup, I will continue to badger him to sit in my chair because I will never get tired of working with him. Um, yeah, the film's incredible. Uh, he, as I mentioned, he, he wrote the screenplay, uh, the, the, the play on which it's based and then adapted it for the screen with Sam. Yeah. And it's, it's great. It, it's really, really nice. It's going to be divisive because it's a very theatrical performance and you really do have to sit down and just commit to it. Yeah. But I think that if you've got an audience who are in the right mindset uh, and who are willing to just give it their all, uh, it's going to blow people away. Thank you, Dan. No, uh, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I will stop banging on about it now until... I in no way believe you. <laughs> until, our next, until our next episode. Until 10 minutes away when we <laughs> start recording the next episode. <laughs> Um, and uh, now after that lovely uh, description of Frankenstein's creature, I'm going to throw back to you for your next recommendation. Yeah, well, it's time for my own trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, from 2013, it's Borderlands. Oh, I, I yes. Can't, I can't not mention it. Absolutely. Um, uh, obviously, I'm going to come across as insanely biased because my wife, Jennifer Handolf, produced the film uh, and was one of the main creative forces behind it. But starring Rob Hill and Gordon Kennedy. Gordon, you may know if you listen to any radio comedy because he owns or co-owns absolutely productions and is responsible for like a vast majority of radio comedy being produced now rob hill who you might know from down terrace but who is a an editor who's edited things like pole dark and he did stuff for ianucci and mm -hmm. uh, w1a yeah uh, that kind of stuff like so he, he he's got a very comic sense uh, sensibility he also edited uh, the early films of ben wheatley and i think that comedy and horror are very like hand in hand when it comes to timing and understanding 100%, of how they work it's build up and payoff it's build up and payoff and, uh, yeah I always yeah, say those this, yeah. work really nicely and whenever rob's in town uh, i try and get to see him because he's a he's a, a great person to spend time with but yeah borderlands is 
for my money, it's the best found footage movie since Cannibal Holocaust. And I genuinely don't say that lightly. I don't have a, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, found footage. But I think that's because uh, filmmakers now come to it thinking it's cheap because you don't need expensive camera kit. You don't need lights. It's all meant to be very like verite style. But actually it's just as hard, if not harder to do well than a normal film because you've got so many like tells to hide. You've got so many things to justify. Uh, and and also there's a, such a saturated market for it, although less so these days because the interest is dying down, um, that it means that, uh, yeah, there's it, it's a harder to be found in that marketplace. Mm. I think Borderlands did unbelievably well. It's, I mean, Those of you who've seen it will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and, and, and Borderlands, if you haven't seen it, you would have definitely seen films that were influenced oh, by God, it. Oh, God, yeah. It's There's been the... hugely influential, like, to the extent that, you know, the the not-as-good, infinitely not-as-good big-budget Blair Witch movie that was out recently a few years ago, a couple of years ago, whatever it was. Uh, now, I enjoyed the, that Blair Witch film, but compared to The Borderlands, it is trash. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm pretty happy to say that they ripped off the ending. Um, I, well, I'd definitely say that... Or were influenced it's, by uh, it. Uh, yeah, it's a touchstone. If they didn't, it's a hell of a coincidence. Uh, and I'd say that it, it, if you were being uh, in a, in an abstract form, you could say it arguably it owes more to Borderlands than it does to the original Blair Witch. Correct. Um, I'm supposed to be more nice. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's fine. Blair Witch people. Um, but the reason I'm, I mean, I actually enjoyed the new Blair Witch. But I, I enjoyed it too until I bought the Blu-ray. Listen to the audio commentary. <laughs> and they called you a cunt. And they called me a cunt. No. And, <laughs> and it was the, the director and the writer doing the audio commentary. And um, they're so bitter about the opening weekend that they basically spent a lot of the commentary complaining about that. Um, and saying stuff like, well, this was supposed to lead to something else in the follow-up film, the but as you, you didn't come and yeah. see it, you're not going to get it. And I'm sitting there thinking, hang on a minute, A, I've I did go and see it, and B, disc. I've bought the Blu-ray, so, yeah. and I'm listening to audio commentary, so I am a fan. I'm so it would the be nice. you shouldn't be talking shit to. <laughs> it would be nice to know where you're going to take it. But anyway, hello, hello. me, my turn. Right. Yes, you go. Uh, so this is another film from the future. Is this your last um, film? It is not. I've got one more after this. Um, oh yeah, no, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, in terms of the order we did this in. So once you've uh, been sort of uh, amazed and overwhelmed and you know blown away by Frankenstein's creature, uh, you can leave that screening and run straight over to the Prince Charles Discovery One uh, because there is a film starting at six fifteen. Uh, on the Monday, the 27th of August, called Black Sight. Now, uh, this is from a director uh, named Tom Payton, uh, and I'm going to be completely honest here. Tom is a very close friend of mine. I love him, uh, and he was at Fright Fest last year with a film called Redwood, which went oh, down really well, yeah, won yeah, local yeah. awards and all the rest of it. Um, and he is nothing if not prolific uh, because he's back with uh, the follow-up it's a film. Around, yeah. yeah, quite amazing. Uh, Black Sight, uh, which is described as the raid meets H.P. Lovecraft-style cosmic horror in a 1980 slice of John Carpenter-esque action with a Stranger Things vibe. Nice. Now, that is a lot of names. Um, I would personally take the raid out of that description because it is nothing like the raid. <laughs> um, but, oh. you know, it does have some fighting. And it also it has Sophia Del 
Pizzo. Oh, Sophia. Yeah. Oh, Sophia was in the, the, the turn off your phone that we wrote and I directed a couple of years ago with Toby Cabell. Exactly. Amazing. So um, we did a tribute to Videodrome um, for... Oh, this is another thing about the Aria Video Fright Fest. You'll get these cool little turn off your phone short films playing before the movies that, you know, have been made by kind of different interesting people uh, and they're really fun. And uh, Dan and I wrote one and Dan directed one. What year was it? Oh, this was like two, three years ago now? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so anyway. It's online. If anyone wants to see it, uh, tweet me and I will send you a YouTube link. Brilliant, wicked. Yeah, so anyway, um, sorry about that, Tom. Uh, I've, I've gone off. <laughs> sorry, talking about myself again. Well, but Sophia, <laughs> who is in your film and is amazing. Yeah, so she, I, she, she is. She is a stamp of quality. So I'm uh, as if I wasn't already up for Black Sight, I am now doubly up for Black Sight. Sophia's incredible. Yeah, so um, it's basically the, the premise is there's a, uh, a sort of a government agency that deports Lovecraftian gods uh, back into space and uh, it gets into trouble. Uh, one night um, and I'd swap out the raid and put in Dread kind of has a Dread vibe um, to it as well um, so yeah Black Sight it will go down really well with the Fright Fest audience I think I saw uh, a very early version then I saw an updated version with more effects and he's done another version since then so I haven't seen the very latest one uh, but I'm sure I will be in the audience um... watching it um, on the 27th of August at 6.15 in the Prince Charles Discovery 1. Dan. I am 100% sold on that. Yeah. That sounds fucking awesome. Great. I, what was I going to say about it? Something to do I with Dread? Remember. Uh, no. Have no, you run, no, have you run, have you run out of steam? Well, we're nearly... No, no, not at all, not at all. I've just forgotten the thing. I was, I had a thing in my head and I thought you were done and I was uh, about to say it uh, and I'm trying really hard not to interrupt you as much oh, as I normally yay. do. Yay! Oh, you were doing um, the memory thing. And I was trying to do a memory thing, but it doesn't work. That's why Good. I interrupt so much because I have zero shots of memory. <laughs> well, I've look. absolutely fucked it with popcorn. <laughs> well, look, we're almost at the climax of this episode. Oh, but, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> How about you recommend your next one? Uh, so, as a, as, a, as a fan reference, I know we've got repeat listeners to our podcast now, which is really nice. This is Lovely. This is the first podcast in our second year of broadcast oh yeah it is yeah so i feel like maybe a little bit of lip service to our fans quote unquote our, yeah our, our, our beleaguered listeners our arrowheads arrowheads yeah haven't listeners. Used that for a while. we haven't yeah so yeah maybe as a so as a reference to them you're not going to fucking thank me in a second so as a reference to them i'm going to do three runners up to my final slot just like you did on our end of year special outrageous uh and all three of them are films i worked on that's good i like it so from 2015 i respect this dan (laughs) from 2015 is steve oram's ah which is a uh a veritable who's who of british comedy performers steve obviously you may recognize as the ginger-faced man uh who uh starred opposite alice lowe and ben wheatley's sightseers he took his paycheck from sightseers and spunked out of the wall on Ah, which is an amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, he wrote an actual script, which actual actors actually learnt, uh, but then he instructed them to impart the emotions of that script entirely with monkey noises. 
uh, and it's a, a delight, if a confusing delight. So that's really fun. From 2016, uh, Nina Forever by Ben and Chris Blaine, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is absolutely wonderful. It was uh, just a tiny little film that turned up on our radar, and from the second I read the script, I was in love with it. Uh, and then it was a little bit delayed in its release, but goddamn, it was worth it. It's a, it's an absolute treat. Uh, it's a really weird psychosexual love story, ghost story kind of thing, and that's really fun. I lied about it being three; it's four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also from 2016 is Chamber, uh, another one produced by my lovely wife. Love Chamber. Uh, yeah, uh, directed by Ben Parker. Please make another film, Ben. Uh, yeah, Ben, seriously, your, your baby, you're done with it. Just go and make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've had a child, but <laughs> they, they, they'll be fine now. They'll you be can fine. put them Kim, to one yeah. side. They basically look after themselves. Yeah, they'll look after themselves. It seems like a, a well-behaved little one. You know, just go and make another movie, please. Um, actually, I'm working on a, a film that was co-written by Ben at the moment or is based on an idea by Ben, so yeah, it's fine. Anyway, the point is, uh, Chamber is a fantastic movie. It stars Johannes Kunke from Force Majeure it's uh, about a, a scientific research vessel underwater scientific research vessel that's uh, co-opted by the military to go and retrieve an unknown object from the bottom of the North Korean Ocean and things go somewhat wrong below water it's a bit more dramery than I think uh, your average Friday Fest audience were expecting it's a great thriller uh, and I think it's definitely worth a rewatch. I think it's out on Studio Canal um, mm. yeah definitely definitely worth tracking down uh, and then also from last year I've already mentioned it but it bears uh, mentioning again Double Date by Ben Barfoot uh, is a really fun sort of romp it's like a like a cross between like the old type of 80s sex comedies like Porky's uh, but with a modern feel to it. And then it's also got a sort of incantation horror thing going on as well. Uh, and also, as I mentioned earlier, it has uh, James Swanton from Frankenstein's Creature in it as a creature. And he's just, a, again, even though he's he's only in it for like maybe Very, you know, like 10, 15 minutes, yeah, but he's, he's, he's great in it. Absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So that's also worth checking out. Really fun. Uh, in fact, that, that film uh, got one of the awards last year as well. So yeah. that's well worth checking out. But my uh, my final choice, number 13. Outrageous. From 2017. Oh, is this number 13, is it? It's number 13. Oh, right, I didn't realise. Oh, I yeah, thought... no, no. Do you remember? You taught, <laughs> do you remember when you taught me how to count just before Christmas? <laughs> so it's one, one, two, three, two, two, three, four, four, three, no, three, three, four, sorry. Anyway, so, <laughs> number 13 uh, is Stefan Ruzovitsky's Cold Hell. Oh, yeah. Which was the Duke Mitchell uh, yeah. screening uh, starring Violetta Shrovlov, I think. Sounds right. It's a fantastic sort of post-Giallo thriller about race relations and place in society uh, set in Germany, a Turkish immigrant in Germany. Uh, she's a taxi driver who witnesses a sort of rear window-esque murder and becomes uh, the the focus of the villain. Uh, and then it also brings in like elements of the Pulicetze Italian crime thrillers about class struggle and the untouchable elites and who where your place is in society and the access it gives you to support and help and protection. It's a it's an absolutely fantastic movie. Yeah, Sam and I both really enjoyed that. Yeah, also. really cool energy. Yeah, great, great film. All right. I think that's on Shudder, by the way. It is on Shudder, and we also like Shudder. Uh, Dan, are you finished? Yeah. Right. Then I could do a few more. It's time for <laughs> the on. final film from me and the final film from Fright Fest. 
on the Cineworld main screens again. So after you've seen Black Sight, you can run over to Climax, which is on at 8.45 and 9.15 on Monday, the 27th of August. Now, this could be the best closing film in the Fright Fest history. It's uh, an Arrow video film. And the reason I'm saying it's the best isn't because it's on Arrow video, though it is. It's because it's called Climax, for the love of God. Is there ever going to be a better closing film? I don't know. But it was also... Filmic nominative determinism. No, exactly, Dan. <laughs> it's our favourite. But yeah, it was a huge hit at um, the Cannes Directors' Fortnight. It was described as fame directed by the Marquis de Sade with a steady cam. It's from Gaspar Noé. It's absolutely bonkers. It will be unforgettable. It will uh, raise the roof on that final day and um, send everyone away happy but sad that the Arrow video Fright Fest (laughs) (laughs) is over. And I hope you're not too sad or too aroused because uh, the Arrow video podcast with Sam and Dan is now over for another episode. But you must tune in next time and they have something they need to do before next time, don't they, Daniel? Yeah, so I, a couple of days ago, uh, as of this recording, a couple of weeks ago as of this listening... I got to sit down with Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who directed The Endless, which is uh, coming out on Arrow. And I, they're, they're incredibly switched on with their social media and with their interviews. Their extra features are incredibly in-depth. And uh, like they, uh, about three or four days before I did the interview with them, they'd just done uh, an AMA on, um, on Reddit. And I didn't want to just be recycling shit they'd said in their numerous audio commentaries and dozens and dozens of hours of interviews. Yeah, I sent you a so, podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So I listened to podcast interviews. I listened to media interviews. I, I watched extra features. I listened to audio commentaries. I read AMAs. Uh, and I tried to put together uh, a, a sort of half-hour interview with them of uh, thematically linked questions that no one else had asked. However, it is unbelievably spoiler heavy like there's you genuinely must not listen to that interview if you haven't seen the film because it will shit on it it will but, ruin it but, but you know as you listen to this uh, The Endless is available on Arrow Blu-ray it yeah. is a, a fantastic film and it has another film uh, Resolution as kind of like a, a bonus disc um, which is one of my favourite films of the past 10 years I think it's a masterpiece yeah. and so do yourself a favour in this fortnight, just buy The Endless, watch it one evening so you can really well, enjoy the next episode. Watch Resolution first, then watch The Endless. But just make sure you watch The Endless. <laughs> but mostly watch The Endless. Yes, because it's going to get spoiled to all hell uh, yeah. next time. And So if you want to enjoy that podcast, yeah. buy The Endless, watch it, and then you know we'll, we'll see you next time. I was going to have one more thing to say. I've oh, ruined what, your what flow. What a surprise, what a surprise. Sorry, Go on, say, say this. I was just going to say, before, like, before the microphone got turned on at that interview they hadn't realised I was there on behalf of Arrow. And and I mentioned the Blu-ray, and they just, apropos of nothing, were like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe how much effort Arrow put in. This is mm. literally the best disc that will ever get released in one of our films. Yeah. They really care. They went to the effort of licensing a separate movie of ours yeah, yeah. from the people that owned it so that they could include it. And then they recorded unique special features for that, yeah. like for the re-release of that movie. It's absolutely beautiful. And that, that's what makes it's, me happy. I mean, I, I like The Endless, but I love Resolution. 
resolution. So, um, God, I just can't believe, you know, uh, the lengths yeah. that Arrow went to, to to put together this amazing set. So just buy it, and then you can yeah, listen to the next it podcast. It's, it's, it's one of those ones they talk about, is the resolution, is Endless a sequel? No. Is it a requel, which is not a phrase I've heard before? No. They don't say, is it an equal? I'd say yes. <laughs> do you know... Do I you, think they, they, they're, they're beautiful companion films, and obviously that's why it's been included in the do special. Want, do you want to know uh, a comparative requel? Oh, go on then. Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I would say Insidious and Insidious 2 more. Okay, but 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 in terms of an actual requel, in terms of kind of remaking it and kind of doing a sequel, that's what Evil but, Dead well, 2 no, is. So, uh, uh, I, oh, a requel. See, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. say this isn't... It, uh, isn't uh, I'm talking I about think... requels. Right, stop, stop, no, stop. We, yeah, no, we've already gone too long. Anything. Don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, we've gone too long. Okay. okay. Uh, Thank you so much. Sorry for the bickering. Oh, don't don't apologise. No, for that. that was your int- that was your opportunity to say we promised to be more professional. We really need to talk about this shit ahead of time. You are not you are not crashing my catchphrase. I'm not. I was giving you an in. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for listening, and we promise to be more professional next time. But we don't promise not to bicker. Uh, thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Bye bye.